You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. Nothing is impossible with God. Hello and welcome to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphian Video. God, the creator of the earth and life, can do anything and everything. Nothing is impossible for him and this is outlined by those of great faith recorded in the Bible who believed fervently in the promises that God made to them of things that seemed humanly impossible, such as the resurrection to life from the dead elderly barren women giving birth, a virgin birth. What is impossible with man is possible with God. He is the creator of heaven and earth and all that there is. How can we dare to limit his capabilities with his own creation? We need not fear as we see the outworking of God's plan for the good of those who choose to serve him in the way that he requires. It's quite a statement, that, isn't it, to say that nothing is impossible with God. We've just read it, actually, in that um, that section that we've just read in Luke chapter 1, um, when the angel came to Mary to talk about um, the birth of the Lord Jesus. Um, but we live in a world where some things are definitely impossible. Uh, we have finite lives we have limits to what we can do and um, we and, and rightly so we have to learn our limits especially with our relationships with one another we need to know our limits and what we can and can't do and and the bible calls us to follow jesus and to to live that way in fact because he tells us to esteem others better than ourselves to understand that there are limits and that we need to do, we need to accept other people um, and do the right thing. And to humble ourselves um, is one of the things that the Bible tells us to do, to humble ourselves before the mighty hand of God and he will lift us up. Um, but there are a few say, uh, places in the Bible that use this statement to say that, however, whatever our limitations with God nothing is impossible and nothing is impossible with God. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at those um, today. So they are, I'm going to follow, just bump on the screen, the different ones. I'm going to look at them all because they're not all um, exactly that. But uh, obviously the one we've just looked at where the, the angel was talking to Mary, um, there's three that are all really the same incident um, where Jesus is talking to his disciples uh, and he talks about what is and isn't impossible, or what is some things that aren't, are possible with God, but are impossible with man. Um, there's an interesting one there, but I don't think we're really particularly going to look to it, but it, it, it's talking about the truthfulness of God. So in, in that sense, in a funny sort of way, it's the other way around, but God doesn't lie. Um, it's not because he can't lie, it's because he won't lie, because God is, is faithful. Um a little lesson to us as well. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, and we're going to look at that. Um, and there is a passage that says that Jesus talks about if you have faith, then nothing will be impossible for you. 
um, and we'll just look at that as well briefly. So first of all, let's have a think about um, the, the passage in Luke. So as we've read, it was a six month um, that the angel Gabriel came to Mary um, and she was told that she was going to bear a son, um, quite an important son, because he was going to rule over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom there would be no end. This is Jesus, the son of God. And of course, she asked that question, how can that happen? Because she's a virgin. She hasn't ever known a man. And the answer comes, well, it comes with an example because the angel says, well, you've got an auntie and she's, she's very old, but probably the same angel appeared to her, her husband and said that she was going to bear a child, even though she was too old. And she's six months pregnant now because nothing is impossible with God. Nothing will be impossible for God. And Mary, to her credit, which is much more than Zechariah, Zechariah didn't really believe it. Mary did. Uh, and that was much to her credit that she did. So she said, behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So she was somebody of faith. She was somebody who was visited by this angel. I suspect it was a bit of a surprise. Um, she didn't expect an angel to turn up. The angel tells her this incredible message that she's going to conceive in her womb and bear a son. And that son is going to be the son of God. And, and she says, well, how can that happen? And it's, you know, the power of the, of the highest will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will have a child. That has all sorts of consequences for Mary. But she has the faith to take that on. And she believes that nothing is impossible with God. And because of her faith, she was, she was the mother of the Lord Jesus Christ who came to save us. So it, it's quite a powerful message, isn't it, to, to think about. And her, quite a young woman, woman really, but how her faith, she was able to, to have that faith in God that he could do the impossible because it, it's never happened to anybody before or since. Some people just can't believe it, but it did happen. And, and she had a child because God worked on her with his Holy Spirit and, and Jesus was born, the son of God. And it was something that was prophesied and promised multiple times in, in the Old Testament. So what we're thinking about, I think, with that context is faith. Um, so I want to think about now one of the, the, the last passage that was on the list, the, the passage that was in Matthew chapter 17. Um, so if you want to turn that up, Matthew chapter 17, and let's have a look at it. Oh, yeah, there we go, verse 20. So the context is um, Jesus has been up in the mountain, up in the mountain of transfiguration, and he's come back down with the disciples. And the disciples that were left behind were trying to heal somebody that they couldn't heal. Um, and so in verse 20, Jesus says to them, because, 
of your little faith um, that, that they couldn't heal this, um, this, this man who needed, this boy who needed healing. And he said to them, because of your little faith, truly I say to you, if you have faith like the grain of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. So the disciples have come, and this boy they couldn't heal. And, his, and the reason they couldn't heal is because they didn't have faith to do so. Um, and they needed that kind of faith. And that's what Jesus is trying to, to get to grow within them. Um, and it's the kind of faith that we saw with Mary. Mary, when she was told she would be the, the mother of the Son of God, um, and, and it was only the fact that she saw, she was told that Elizabeth, her auntie, who was much older, was pregnant, that, that that gave her the faith. She could see the evidence, and she took the faith to see that. And it was a small amount of evidence, but it was enough for Mary. Um, and, and she had the faith that God would work with her and bring this about. Uh, and so Jesus is trying to encourage that same faith within um, his disciples there in the, in the things that they do. Um, another passage as well is in Hebrews chapter 11, where it says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So what I'm trying to get to is that we need faith to understand and to accept and to, to learn to walk with the fact that God can do anything. Uh, and I want to look at some examples of that to, to see what I mean by, by that. So how does faith work? How do we um, understand how to, how to, to um, follow God and understand what God can do? So there's an example here um, in Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 20. So in this example, there's a rich young man, um, as we've shown him there. He came to Jesus and he said, teacher, what, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? Well, that, that in itself seems like an impossibility in our lives now, doesn't it? We, we don't, we're mortal. We don't have eternal life. But he's saying to Jesus, what must I do to have eternal life? So, and, that, and that's in verse 16. And verse 17, and he said to him, why do you ask me about what is good? There is only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. And he said to him, which ones? And Jesus said, you shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And these commandments were important because they affect other people. And they're summarized, as we said before, and said this morning, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Um, but the young man said to him, all these I've kept from my youth. What do I still lack? And Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So Jesus says, he's saying that if we think, if God promises something, if we have the faith in it, 
then it should affect the way that we live our lives. It's if we accept what God can do, like Mary, who accepted that God could do it and was willing to accept the consequences of that, because I'm sure a lot of people, when she said, well, this is the son of God, didn't believe her. But she was prepared to accept that because it was the will of God. In this case, for this man, he wanted eternal life. And Jesus said to him, well, if you want to be perfect and you want to do what God really wants to do, then you need to give up everything and you need to follow him. And, give, and he couldn't do it because of his great possessions. And sometimes that's, that's the sort of thing that stops us believing in the things of God because of the things that we have ourselves that we can't get rid of. It was too much to the man. So what, what does Jesus say? He comes to, he gives him a parable. So verse 23, and Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And sometimes you get a story about this being a small gate in the wall of Jerusalem. I don't think that's the case. Apart from which, there is no gate in the wall of Jerusalem. Anybody's ever found that you can only get through with a camel on the Sabbath day. It's This is Jesus saying, well, that it's impossible to get a camel through the eye of the needle. That's actually a bit of art um, that somebody's done actually within a needle um, by hand. Don't quite know how they've done it. But the point is there, isn't it? It's impossible for us to get a camel to go through the eye of a needle because the eye of the needle is much too small. And when the disciples heard this, they were, well, of course they were, they were astonished saying, well, who can be saved? If a rich man can't through that, if it's that difficult, who can be saved? And it's a fair question. If here's a man that keeps all the commandments and he fails because he's rich, who can be saved? What about Abraham? What about Job? What about David? What about Daniel? They were all well-off people. What, who can be saved? But then they, they'd missed the point. He wanted, that man wanted to be perfect. God needs something else. He needs faith, a reliance on God, and he needs humility. Uh, and so we read that, don't we? Um, verse 26, but Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He looked at them and said, with man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Because God knows what we're like. And he is asking for faith and humility to follow him. He's not asking for perfection because he knows we can't do it. He will give us perfection, God willing, in the kingdom. He is asking for us to put our trust in him and to show humility. So very briefly now, we're going to look at a few examples of faith, people who trusted God because they knew that with God, nothing is impossible. And when they were asked to do something for God or by God that seemed maybe counterintuitive or things that happened in their lives that were very difficult, they put their trust in God in their lives and they believed God could do anything 
because Jesus carries on in there to show that about faith. Um, for anybody who's left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold in the kingdom. So we've already seen that verse, but it's an important verse. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For whoever should draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. And so, like I say, we're going to look at some examples of people who did just that, who saw that nothing was impossible with God. And the three examples I'm going to look at is, is Abraham, is Job, uh, and a very poor lady who was unknown by name, but she gave everything. And Jesus points her out as a supreme example. So first of all, Abraham. So we learn that by faith in Hebrews, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was, was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. So Abraham was a rich and a prosperous man. But he left everything to do what God asked him to do. He, he left. He lived in a city called Ur. He was rich and prosperous. And God told him, no, go to a land that I will show you. He didn't even know where he was going. Uh, and he trusted God and he left all and he trusted in the uh, blessings and, and, and the promises of God. Turn to Hebrews chapter 11, and verse 8, because there's a nice summary of that there. So it says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he had been called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive even when she was past the age, since she, con she considered him faithful who had promised. Therefore, from one man and him as good as dead were born descendants as many as the stars of heaven and as many and innumerable as grains of the sand by the seashore. And you can read on to see more, more that it says in those verses. In fact, verse 13 is probably worth reading as well. These all died in faith not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them afar, having acknowledged that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. So we have an example of a man who essentially gave up everything to go to a land that God told him to go to. And then he waited and waited and waited because God promised him a son and descendants as, as many as the stars and as many as the sand on the seashore and as much as the dust on the earth. But he didn't even have a son. So how was that going to happen? And it happened in his old age when he and Sarah were old. He was 100 and Sarah was 90 years old when they had Isaac as a child. Uh, and he was the child of promise. And even when he died, he didn't receive ever, anything really of, of the promises that he was given. He was told that that land's going to be yours. You'll live in it. It's your land. He believed the impossible at the time. When he died... He still believed that God would give him those things because he believed in the resurrection of the dead. And that, from our point of view, is impossible. But not with God. God can raise the dead. 
And Abraham believed that. And you see examples of people all the way through the Bible who believe that. And the example of Jesus, most importantly, shows that because he rose from the dead on the third day. It's impossible with us, but with God, anything is possible. And that's, that's the, the point that's being made when he talks about what God can do that we can't do, why anything is possible with God. Another example is Job. Job was a rich man, but he lost everything, even his health. Everything was lost and he was severely tempted. And there's a few things that we know about that, that testing. Um, so he, he lost his family, he lost his possessions, and he lost his health. Um, it says he sat there with nothing, and he was, he was scraping the boils with potter, bits of broken bits of pottery. I don't imagine what that was like. He was in a terrible way. And his wife said to him, oh, just curse God and die. And his reply was, Naked came I from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all this, Job did not sin or charge God with wrong. So terrible things happened to Job, but he kept his faith. He trusted that God would do what God would do, and it would be the right thing. And that's quite, quite a thing, isn't it? And, and again, he says, shall we receive good from God and shall we not receive evil? In all this, Job did not sin with his lips. He put his trust in God with that faith that he had. And this, this is, in the whole book, the whole book is, is, is really a conversation on, most of it is a conversation on one day with three people who came to comfort him but I actually ended up accusing him of, well, it's all your own fault, Job, for the way you've lived your life. And, and one of the things that Job says, uh, and, and Job is commended in the end for the things that he says, he says this, for I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth, and after my skin has been destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, my eyes shall behold, and not another. So Job believed in the resurrection of the dead. Here he was. He had a, a horrible skin disease. He felt awful. He'd lost his, all his possessions. His family were all dead, apart from his wife. And he got three friends who were supposed to be comforting him and telling him it was all his own fault. And yet, he believed that God would raise him from the dead. He put his trust in God. He believed in the impossible because he knew that even if he died, God could raise him from the dead to be in the kingdom of God. God can do the impossible. And actually, at the end of his life, well, not very much, not very long later, really, because it was at the end of the day, um, it says that the Lord restored the fortunes of Job when he had prayed for his friends, and the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. And the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning we are told. So in the end, God blessed him. God blessed Job for his faith. And, and he lived out his life and he died, but he died believing in the resurrection of the dead. He died knowing that the resurrection would come and he believing in the kingdom of God, because with God, all things are possible. 
but he showed it in the way he lived his life, even in adversity. Final example is, is this, this lady, this poor woman who was observed by Jesus. And it's in Luke chapter 21, and this is 1 to 4. So here's Jesus at the temple. He sat with the disciples and it says, Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And, and I believe what it used to be, it was like almost like a, a copper horn um, or something like that. And it was a box and you, you threw the money in and it made a big noise. So obviously when the rich come in, it made a, a really big noise as they threw the coins in. Um, as she came, that's all she had, two small coins, uh, two small copper coins, um, when I was a kid, I was a half, half penny was the smallest thing. And I imagine it was something like that, two half pennies. And, and, and he said, truly, I tell you, this poor woman has put in more than all of them. For they contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. So Jesus is, is sat there. Here he is. He's, he's looking at the people going to the temple and the rich people putting in lots of money. Um, as much as they have. But she comes along and she's got two good. She doesn't have to give them both. She could have kept one, but she doesn't. She throws them all in because she wants to give it to God. She's got nothing now. She can't, she can't buy anything. She's got nothing. But she put her trust in God. She was in her poverty. She was humble and she was faithful. And she puts her trust in God. And Jesus points it out. You're not interested in the rich ones who can give whatever. It was her and her attitude. So what did she trust in? Well, she, she trusted in God. It's slightly ironic that that's, what, that's what's on dollar bills, isn't it? In God we trust. Um, I suspect most people with dollar bills maybe don't think of it that way, really. Is it money we trust or is it in God? Well, she trusted in God. A God who can move mountains, who can raise the dead, who can create a whole world, a whole universe, and, and the kingdom of God to come, where we can live forever in peace and harmony with him. That's the God that she trusted. Money kind of makes the world go around, doesn't it? But there's, there's something that money just can't buy. It's, it's finite. There's things it just can't do. Uh, and when things get really bad, Often there's, there's nothing that money can do. It's, it's no good to you. Um, a happy, everlasting life, I suspect that's what next week's subject's about, but a happy, everlasting life for us is impossible, but with God is supremely possible if we put our faith in him and what he tells us in his word. Jesus says something similar in quite often, actually. And one of these is here in Matthew chapter 6. Lay up not for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So again, it's this idea of faith, it's the idea of what matters to you. What are you looking for? What's important? If it's finite, if it's the things of here and now, then it's always going to be finite. But if it's the things of God and the things of the kingdom of God that doesn't, get, doesn't rot away and disappear, in fact, it grows and it, becomes, it will become the kingdom of God, 
there will be no disappointment in our lives because with God, everything is possible if we put our trust in him. So what we're going to do, we can't serve two masters. You know, either hate one or the other or the other way around. You can't serve God and money. You can't say serve the things of this life and the things of God. We've got to make a choice is what Jesus is saying. So I'm going to finish with a couple of examples, a couple of parables. So we're told, again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid, and for, the, for joy goes over it, for joy over it goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So we might stumble across the gospel and find out about it that way. And when we read about it and understand it about the kingdom of God and the return of the Lord Jesus Christ and the life that we live to, to get there, um, it becomes worth giving up everything for the kingdom of God. If you really believe that with God, nothing is impossible, that he can raise the dead, that he can bring his kingdom about. He provided his son as an example through an impossible means by our way, but not with God. And that sacrifice that he had for us to follow. And he rose, him from, he rose from the dead as an example of what God can do and it can do for us if we are in, in Christ. So it's worth selling everything for this, this gospel that, that might be found this way. Or we might be searching for it. Another parable. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful <coughs> pearls. And when he has found one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. So Jesus repeats the point, parable of a, a merchant who's seeking beautiful pearls. The kingdom is of inestimable value. It's, it's in human terms an impossible thing because it needs God to make it happen, to bring peace on earth and to bring a king who is righteous and kind and knows right from wrong and acts on it properly without being influenced by evil. And that's the kingdom to come. That's the, the impossible that God will make possible when his son returns to the earth. So it's a choice, isn't it? If we want that, then he says, well, you're going to be prepared to sell everything that you have and buy that, buy that gospel, buy that hope. Because with God, all things are possible and therefore we can put our trust in him.
Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at btf at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.